I said, can you anybody see the power of worship going up? That when you start, you start, you, you up there, over here, over down there, over there, over there, everybody starts worshiping. My God, let's worship him in a praise right now. A collective praise, an orchestrated praise. Welcome to Concepts for Living. This service is coming to you from the Chapel of the Anointing. We invite you to stay tuned for a life-changing word. The late Andre Crouch was correct when he gave us the lyrics, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Without him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Hi, and welcome to Concepts for Living. We're delighted to come to you with more concepts from God's Word. I trust that as you stay tuned and be blessed from the theme that I will use today, we would see Jesus. Now, would you turn in your Bibles to St. John chapter 12. There were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came, therefore, to Philip, which was of Bethesda, of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die it abideth alone but if it die it bringeth forth much fruit mm. look at someone and say we would see Jesus. Now I want you to personalize this and say I would see Jesus. Come on let's go a little step further. I want to see Jesus and Jesus only. Hallelujah. So you take your seats real quick. One of the things I observed is that the Holy Spirit is so faithful to give a word. I awakened on Friday morning with a sense that this is where God wants to release a truth today from this passage. And I went immediately to my study and began to develop. The first thing that came to my mind was this. St. John is the only one of the gospel writers that actually records this incident. The incident when Greeks came among the Jews 
when Greeks came to Jerusalem with a clear-cut purpose to worship. When I speak of Jerusalem, I'm speaking not only of that geographical location over there in the Middle East. I'm talking about the heavenly Jerusalem, the one that cometh down from God. And the heavenly Jerusalem is the body of Christ. The heavenly Jerusalem is more than a geographical location. It is a spiritual state to the extent that when they were coming, I want to say that they came to church to worship. And then if you continue to read in this passage, what you'll discover is that it has, it's pregnant with relevant truth for us today. Truth about worship, real worship. Truth about what can happen with people who ought to be worshiping, but who are doing some other things in the place of worship. You're also gonna see in this particular passage that there are times when Jesus in his wisdom will appeal to our intellectual condition. That is, he talks to our mind. He, 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 he relates to where you are. Because, you know, people who reach certain levels of uh, academic uh, achievement, they, 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 they don't look at uh, the same things that the ordinary person who has not had that experience will look at. Okay? They, they have learned how to, uh, you know, think on a higher level, at least on a different level. All right. So what happens a lot of times is that when we come to worship, we don't understand that worship is a privilege. Please don't miss this word today. Worship is a privilege. And something else we need to also remember is that when you come to worship, there's somebody else that has come to worship. At least they're in the house. And the way you act can determine whether or not they achieve what they came to worship and receive. Please don't miss this. And so what you'll find, all of those things wrapped up in that pragmatic statement that simply says, Sir, we would see Jesus in the midst of all the religiosity, in the midst of all the formality, in the midst of all of the regular deeds that we perform in what we call worship. Uh, because what he's saying here now is that, sir, I'm going to bypass all that other stuff. And I want to get to what I really came here for. Somebody ought to be like that when they enter the gates with thanksgiving. And they then move into his courts with praise. And there's mumbling and all kinds of little, you know, uh, conversations going on all around you. But somebody ought to say, sir, we want to see Jesus. I don't care about what you're wearing today. I want to see Jesus. I don't want no uh, human display. I'm not going to be moved by what you do and what you say and how you sway. I'm not going to be moved by that. I want to see Jesus. Because that represents the passion and the objective of these Greeks who come and join the throng 
the great throng. This is John's rendition of what we call Palm Sunday experience. Uh, but I'm not going there into palms today. I just want to show you something that the Holy Ghost wants us to understand. And that is the privilege to come to worship. Because when we truly worship, when the people of God truly worship the Bible, the, the songwriter puts it this way. He said, that's when deliverance will take place. Come on, look at somebody say, when we worship, truly worship, that's when deliverance will take place. Oh, come on, somebody say one more time. Say, say that's when. Come on, talk back to me. Say, that's when. Come on, say, that's when. It's not necessarily when Jim and Mary and Sue begin to perform, but when we truly worship and our worship reaches heaven, that's when God is able to do something on the earth. The three points of this message, the presence. The Greeks were among the Jews. Two, the petition. They wanted to see Jesus, and they appealed to Philip. Three, the propitiation. Jesus came to atone for our sins. Stay tuned. You will be blessed, and perhaps you will end up saying, we would see Jesus. When you have your own experience, you can identify with that experience. Are you with me? I can't deal with things the way you dealt with. That's your, that's your, that's your thing. You know, I, I, don't know, I don't know how the Lord works with you. I'm just telling you how he works with me. I was talking to a pastor not long ago, and, and, and we were talking. He said, well, what's your regiment? What's your regiment? And I told him, uh, you know, he said, yeah, but man, it don't take all that. I said, it doesn't? He said, no. I said, for you it doesn't. But for me it does. Maybe God just wants me to get into where I'm supposed to be that way. Come on, look at somebody and say, that's with you. But God deals with me a different way. It doesn't mean one's right. And the other is wrong. It's just different, that's all. And stop trying to put on other people something that they can't bear just because that's what you had. Somebody ought to get with me this morning and just give God praise right now because God will give you illumination and you'll know they came to Jesus. Hallelujah. Because we say some things and act in some ways sometimes that we shouldn't act. Like the man who was the biggest sinner in town. And the church had caught a fire. Flames leaping everywhere. Folk had buckets and everything trying to put the fire out. When they looked, here was the sinner, the biggest sinner in town, right there with his little bucket. So one of the saints said, what are you doing here? What was it that brought you here? He said, well, your church was never on fire before. some people that will show up just because the church catches 
the fire. I wish somebody would say, let the flames leap. Let the sinners come because we need to be on fire. What would happen if you and I could stand up and testify this morning? And in spite of how long we've been here, in spite of how long we've been saved, how in spite of all of our ritualistic processes, in spite of everything, if we could just stand up and say, this church is on fire. Folk will come out for fire. They'll show up because the church is on fire. Not because you're so smooth and cool. Not because you sway your way. No, but because the church is on fire. When the Holy Spirit takes charge, when the Spirit of God can rule like he wants to rule, then he'll light you up and light you up and light you up and light me up and light all of us up so that the world can see the church on fire. Chandler, now watch this now. They'll come, not because of your homiletics or hermeneutics. They will come, not because of the profundity of your particular state, uh, statements and the way that you deliver. No, they'll come because the church has caught a fire. Send the fire! The fire of Pentecost, consuming sin and dross. Let the holy fire, some of y'all too sophisticated. Let the holy fire from heaven fall on me. I would have sufficient grace, every foe to bravely face, and an overcomer evermore to be. Make me gentle, true, and kind, meek of heart, humble mind. Let the holy fire from heaven fall on me. I would just take a moment and say, let it fall on me. Let it fall on me. Hallelujah. It's more than being a religious entity in town. The church is the place, if no other place, where you ought to be able to see Jesus. Oh, Jesus, how sweet the name. Jesus, every day the same. Jesus, let all saints proclaim the worthy name of Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, who, something about the name of Jesus. They wanted to see Jesus. Somebody ought to have a whole new objective now, a whole new passion now. That is to see Jesus. Because when you see Jesus, the Bible says that when they met Jesus, the Bible says, I believe there must have been conversation because the scripture says, when you look at verse uh, uh, 
23, it says, And Jesus answered them, saying. Now, you know, the, the answer comes because a question has come. So I believe they were in conversation. That's me. It's conjecture. But I do believe they must have been in conversation because Jesus answered them. And when he answers, listen to what he says. He says, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be what? Glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Watch this now, watch this. Who is he talking to? He's talking to Greeks. He's talking to people who have analytical minds. He's talking to people who are not only religious, but people who are philosophical. Because the Greeks were known for their philosophy. And so Jesus now gives them some philosophy. You want to see me? And I'm going to relate to you. So I'm going to relate to you like Greeks. So, so that Greeks can understand me. I'm going to give you something to think about. The thing I'm going to give to you is this. I know you came to see me to help me to escape what is uh, being planned or strategized to take me out. Uh, you think you, you want me to continue working miracles. You don't want me to die. You, 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 want, me to, you want me to live for a long time. And so, so I, we, 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 we want to help you to get out of here because we're Greeks. You see, not, we're not from here. We can tell you that we got a place where you can be safe. Because the, the, the priests have strategized and they got a plan to take you and Lazarus out. But notice what Jesus does. Jesus said, oh, so you think the answer is in my running? You think the answer is in my escaping? No. The answer is that now I'm going to be glorified as I give my life in death to bring life. Now, wait a minute. Did, that, did we understand you? Uh, did you say that right? I, I think I heard you say that you're going to give your life in death to bring life. Well, when you give your life and you die, that's it. No. I'm telling you that when I die, watch this now, I'm going to rise again. And my death is not even going to be gloom, it's going to be glory. Because I have to be glorified. Our perspectives on things biblical may not be as up to date as they need to be. To the extent that when you look at Jesus hanging on the cross, you look at something, oh, isn't that sad? But when you understand the purpose for that death, when you understand that nothing could happen for you and I had he not died, that you understand the importance. And he says, now, I'm going to give you another phase to that. What is it? Well, you know, let's look at it agriculturally. Except the corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, Come on, somebody. But if it dies, it shall bring forth much fruit. Oh, we never heard that kind of philosophy before. So really what you're saying is life comes through dying. Oh, so that means, now that's something we never heard of that before. Because we are Greeks and we do analyze everything. You know. Now wait a minute. No, but I'm not running. There is, has to be a point in your life 
and my life when we understand this philosophy to the extent that no matter how bad things go, no matter how rough the path, no matter how much we are being killed, we know that the devil can't win. That even when I die, he can't stop life. So that whatever I'm going through, whatever I'm facing, it doesn't matter. Because I'm going to come out a winner anyhow. Well, we sincerely trust that you have been blessed and inspired to, like never before, see Jesus. So until next time, when we shall come to you with more concepts for living, may God bless you and yours. Thank you for viewing Concepts for Living. If you would like a CD, DVD, or download the entire message, go to our website, www.fcogchapel.org. We would like to hear from you. Please send an email for prayer or send a praise report on how God is blessing you through this program. We invite you to join us again for another Concepts for Living.